Danny, how you doing, man? We have all the time in the world. We do have all the time in the world. Well, we've got an hour, so let's... Um... <laughs> Good old Daniel Craig. Um, this, is, this is a bit of an obvious thing to say. At the start of a podcast with the title such as ours, uh, we're going to be spoiling No Time to Die quite massively. So, if that's not your jam, then leave. Yeah. Uh, watch the movie, come back and listen to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we don't even do plot summaries, so just, you know, <laughs> assume that you've seen it, written yeah. notes on it, and are prepared to now talk about it for an hour. That's that's yeah. the mindset you need to have when watching <laughs> our show. Um, but before we do that, Lewis, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. we've got some bullshit to talk about, don't we? I like that little laugh. That was very scary. Ha <laughs> 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 Sort of fits who we're going to be talking about. Um, but <laughs> are you ready for me to spin the wheel? I am born ready. I am very ready. This strand of hair isn't ready. There we go. Now it's slightly more ready. It'll pop out again in a minute. But yeah, Okay. Go on. Spin the wheel. It's a fighter jet. Um, the Tory Party Conference. Ooh. Has yeah. there been some... I was not even aware there was one. What happened? Was it very dramatic? Oh, it was, um, it was very good. Oh, uh, good. So, you know, there was... Um, <laughs> Big Bojo was there. Uh, Who doesn't love a bit of Bojo? As you do. Sex symbol, leader of the country. (laughs) Yeah, so so he was there doing his usual bit, you know, going up and and making no sense. And, uh, you know, his his speech was... Was mixed, if if that's if that's what we want to call it. It it was English and something else, or...? Oh yeah, well there was Latin in it, obviously, oh, because you know like, you can't you can't <sighs> tell people what you're gonna do for for the next couple of years without speaking Latin. Yes, um, you have to let the ancient Romans know what you're about to do. They have to know. Absolutely. Um, there was a beaver joke at the end. Uh I can't remember what the joke was. Right. Okay. But if we want to get one of our fact checkers onto that. Um, um, am I the fact checker? I'll have a quick Google. Yeah, have a have a um, look for the beaver joke. Uh, Boris Johnson announces just one policy. <laughs> Sorry, I um, meaning of build back beaver. What? Uh, this is hitc.com. I don't even know what this is. Um, um, Johnson coined the phrase "build back beaver," leaving spectators bemused. Uh, That's a nice word. <laughs> oh right, okay. They're, okay, apparently, "build back better" is the Conservative Party slogan. Yeah. And he said he used the phrase "build, build back, back beaver. beaver." I can only presume he was talking about beavers. I'm sure he was talking about beavers. I didn't watch <laughs> the full thing. It was, it was like forty-six um, minutes, Lewis. Um, but. <laughs> In terms he of, also in, said "build back burger." Apparently, build so that's back good. burger. He called Jeremy Corbyn a sort of custarding communist cosmonaut at oh, one point. Okay, He's, he loves his alliteration, Boris, doesn't he? Um, Apparently so. Yeah. Very, very, very enthusiastic about it. But the re- build back beaver, maybe versions of BBB. What's that? Uh, many versions of BBB uh, disappeared before I could read it as well. <laughs> Same. Uh, many versions of BBB, Build Back Batter was another one. Oh. Because he, he loves a, fish and chips. Was it a much. chip van? Like, oh my. Yeah, but the the reason that I want to talk about the Tory party conference is because anyone that watched the Tory party conference could only come away with the feeling that these people that are in government, that are meant right. to be representing <laughs> the people's interests, probably don't give a flying fuck um, in any respect, and for some reason, even though his speech was just absolute nonsense from start to finish, lack of coherence, leveling up a couple of times, mm. the Tories managed to get away from it with very little criticism like whatsoever. Let let no criticism. Let, you know they're they're what is it they're doing now with with universal credit it's going to be a thousand pounds a year less yeah i um for people. I, I actually wrote to my local mp about this this is something that i i didn't know about until at, at all until equity emailed me i presume you're also in equity dan 
I am an equity, yes. Yeah, they emailed me and said um, there's a massive cut to Universal Credit. Apparently, at the start of the pandemic, um, Universal Credit was boosted a bit uh, because the idea is that if you're in a low-income household, your income will be even lower because you will less be less likely to work. And if you can work, you might be doing less work, which might mean that you can't have as much money in. So Universal Credit was boosted to get you a bit more cash in. And now they've said, okay, pandemic's over. Universal credit's going back down. Yeah. In spite of the fact it's not a very costly thing. Um, and it's not over. Compared to, you know, Trident. Um, and the yeah. pandemic is not at all over. Absolutely. <sighs> um, you know, uh, it's 30% of children are in relative poverty in this country. And it just seems mm. that even with the plethora of things that we can laud at the Tories, there is very little sort of... Hmm. What's the word? Opposition, if if that's if that's yes. the right phrase, because I watched uh, Keir Starmer speak at the Labour Party conference. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he he was he was more interested in sort of saying how Labour was utterly defeated in the last election, and he spent a lot of time saying that he spent a really long time mm. rather than saying. Spending the, like, I mean, if I was Keir Sorry, Starmer, I haven't right? seen this speech, but from how you're describing it, I can only imagine it's Keir Starmer on a podium going, "Listen, guys, guys, listen, we are shit. <laughs> we are really shit. Yep. We failed massively. We are absolutely fucking awful." Yes, I, I've never, I haven't seen the speech, but I can only imagine that's what it was like. It, it absolutely is what what it was like. <laughs> um, you know, if I was Keir Starmer, which I'm not, um. In case yep. you had to figure that one out, I would spend the forty-six minutes speaking, absolutely tearing in to the Tories and the the apparent mm. corruption, mm. the constant lies that they tell, the just the the cut the to apparent public negligence services. for human lives, yeah, the, the apparent th- negligence for self-employed people, thousands of bodies, industries piling mm. up, you know, just just so many things that you. you I'm sure there's a list out there of stuff that you could that you could get mm-hmm. the the Tories uh, in on, I, but and I would be surprised if it weren't in Sakir Starmer's desk. Yeah, because it should be. It, there should be a guy saying, "Look, Starmer, say these things. These absolutely. things are all places that the Tories have fucked it during the pandemic. Yeah, say some of these things, please, God. Absol- absolutely. Um, so I I just want to talk about this uh, weird power. That, okay. that that Tories have in this country to say mm. some of the most horrible blatantly horrible things yeah and somehow just sort of get away with it but when someone mm. like Angela Rayner calls Tories scum which <laughs> I uh, oh, yeah just too soft Angela too soft um mm. how how is it that Tories can just get away with the like, Mm. Calling Muslim women letterboxes, mm. uh, calling uh, gay people bum boys and things like that. Just, just blatantly disgusting things to say. The grim, toothless face of the North. You know, it's just it's it's constant. And and then it is when when someone on the other side gets reasonably outraged and said, mm. "What a bunch of scum!" It's oh my god, what happened to civility politics? It's stuff. It's just so <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But um, it's it, it's absurd. I think I can't. I have watched the video of um of that politician saying that and getting ejected from the House of Commons. Yeah. Um, I which I I don't know if you shared it with me, Dan, or if I, I don't know, watched it on air or something. But it's utterly horrific to see because she's being very polite about it. Yeah. She's sort of saying in a very polite tone, sort of. I've seen the decisions that the Tory party have made, and in my opinion, they are scum. I, I, uh, she's being very polite about it, and the speaker's getting quite irate. Yeah. And sort of um, very much getting angry at her, which is just something terrible to see. It, um, the only thing it puts me in the mind of is, oh, I couldn't give you a date for the life of me, but in recent years, in the Australian parliament, um, there was a, a politician that called another politician a cunt, and um, there was this great furore about you can't speak like that in the House of Commons. It's it's unpolitical. It's undemocratic. Yep. And in the end, they concluded um, that it's down to freedom of speech. 
any minister needs to be able to say what they want to say in the House yeah. without fear of being criticised, because otherwise yeah. we won't get anything done. Absolutely. Um, or, on the other side, we might get too much done, and there's some backbencher that's refusing to say anything, because they are afraid they'll get ejected from the House. Yeah. So you should... I, I am utterly baffled by Keir Starmer's... Well, Keir Starmer full stop, but also by Keir Starmer's decision to just be like, you know, Labour are a bit shit. Because there's so... Surely, surely to God, you would just turn around and say, actually, look at all these horrific things that, that Boris Johnson's government have done. Yeah. Look at all these horrendous things on record that Pretty Patel has done and said. It's insane. Insane. Ab- absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw... I saw uh, <laughs> Uh, Owen Jones go to the the Tory Party conference and he had mm. quite a few conversations with with conservatives and uh, remind me Owen Jones is he wrote the establishment and was it Chavs? I can't remember the book that he wrote, but he's a he wrote he's a, a couple of them, yeah. He's a left wing journalist. Um, uh, very 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 good, very underrated, I think. Um, yeah, he, Chavs the establishment, loads of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, Hello, Owen, if you're watching this. Uh, but, but yeah, so he spoke to quite a few Conservatives um, and they were pretty talkative to him and said the mm-hmm. usual sort of stuff about work hard and you'll get ahead in life and stuff. So, I mean, I can't let... You know, you expect that from Conservatives. That's the sort of talking points that you get. The same way that, you know, people on the left have their talking points. But see, when it came to like, people like um, Michael Gove... Uh, just, just senior leaders. Yeah. They either ran away, or just refused to answer his his his, mm-hmm. his questions properly. Um, so it was it was it was very um entertaining to watch, and it just if we can get more of that to make people hold people I mean, accountable. Yeah, I don't know what we can do at this point to make people realise that these people have no interest in your health or benefit whatsoever. But I just think the only the only way we can is to make people see it is by doing stuff like that. Mockery mm. is a really good way of of showing people's hypocrisy. I think. Yeah, um, I completely agree with you. I, 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 I'm not a very angry man in general. I'm quite laid back. Um, but some of these disgusting things that the Tory government have done do really infuriate me. Yeah. And the the only other thing that comes close is people that sort of say, um, "Well, nobody knew how bad the pandemic would get." Well, no. But isn't that an excuse to? To, to to go to fatalism yeah. to think well what if this gets to the point where there are just people dying everywhere like it did that's what happens absolutely oh, and it, another thing that gets me is um look at New Zealand and how they essentially quarantined the entire island and was like mm. yep okay well nobody's coming in or out and then three weeks later there were people at football games again there were concerts all sorts of stuff Yep. It's all well and good to say uh, New Zealand has a much lower population than the United Kingdom and all these sort of things, but it's essentially the same thing. It's a matter of policy and a matter of principle, and you can extract it and make it bigger. Definitely. So why not? Why do we have to suffer in this this system where the Tory government is deliberately being cruel to line their own pockets? It's disgusting. Yep, there is absolutely no excuse for it. Mm. Um, sorry, that's uh, that um, quick angry thing came out then. Um, Darius has just said in the chat did you see the video of Jacob Rees-Mogg I did, did you see the video of Jacob Rees-Mogg Dan? I didn't it's brilliant um, well it's also sad at the same time, it's a man who I believe had cerebral palsy and he worked as I think he worked in the education system in some capacity and Mm -hmm. he lost his job due to uh, government cuts during the pandemic Um, and he said there was before I got fired we needed more people, and then you cut our funding, and I was fired. And um, Jacob Rees-Mogg is there saying, well, I'm sure that if you go down to the job centre, and if you look for help and stuff, you'll be able to go and get help. He said, no, no, I had a job, and you took it away from me. You yeah. and your government took it away from me. And Rees-Mogg doesn't know what to say. He just keeps apologising and says, um, oh, God, the thing that really got me. I'm sorry that you feel that way. Oh, you bellend. Oh you absolute God. cunt. But it's just... It's so insane to see yeah. somebody literally shouting in Jacob Rees-Mogg's face about how you have deliberately worsened my life. Do you not feel anything? And to see Rees-Mogg going, no, nope, no, nope, I don't feel anything. I just don't give a shit. 
you know, it's not even it's not even indifference to mm. people in poor. It's contempt for people in yes. poverty and and horrible sort of living conditions. It, to go back to Owen Jones, a lot of conservatives were saying that the reason that people are in the situations that they're in is because they just don't know how to ha- they just don't know how to manage money. That's that's oh, the reason. Fucking bollocks is that? But what absolute bit, then. fucking but the the people that have money don't know how to manage money because mm. when they do have money, they're busy spending it on fucking curtains and and high grade cocaine and mm. stu- so it's like the the idea that if you have more money, you're going to be more uh, able more to deal sort of, with it. Yeah, exactly. It's just mm. bollocks. It's absolute mm. bollocks. Very rarely. Yep. <laughs> Very, 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 very rarely do people who start with nothing end up in a very privileged position. Hmm. Okay, I, I so, loathe the idea of this self-made man philosophy that is yeah. a very right-wing concept, which I yeah. think is what you're building to. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but before it leaves my brain, um, I think Jeff Bezos it is sort of considered an example of a self-made man, but he got yeah. a half a billion dollar loan from yes. his parents. yes. Elon okay. Musk is considered a self-made man. He inherited an emerald mine in South Africa. Yep. These people are not self-made. They exactly. inherited their wealth. It's old money. That Just because they're using it on something new, it's it's still old money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just completely, completely made my point for me there. Do not believe when you are told you just work hard, you work hard all your days, and you will make it in the system that in which you live. The mm. system requires the majority of people not to make it. Otherwise, there wouldn't be... We wouldn't have this. If everyone was rich and wealthy and lived in the best living conditions, there would be no point to the system at all. They require people that they consider beneath them and have contempt for to do jobs that they just wouldn't... They just wouldn't do. They just wouldn't want to do it. It's almost as though we need massive systemic change. Yeah. Don't believe it. It's bollocks. (laughs) It's utter bollocks. Um, uh, I lived on Universal Credit. You get three forty to live on a month, and PIP is also exactly three hundred and forty a month. That is like, me. That's that's. I'm sorry. I live in a, a fairly cheap area of the country to live. That's nothing. That that doesn't even cover probably no. even half of my bills for the month. That's like you, absurd. Like, and the idea that people that get that can feed a family as well, mm. let alone mm. live yourself. You know, it's like no. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, that's um, utterly disgusting. I, I can't abide by that at all. That's utterly disgusting. This is why I'm so massively in favour of the idea of a universal, um, a UBI system. I was going to yeah. say universal credit. I was like, no, that's what you're arguing against, Lewis. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I'm so massively in favour of a UBI system, because if you can find a way to demonopolise uh, things like water and gas and all the rest of it, and then you can establish a rough median to say, okay, everybody in the country will pay about this much in their bills every month. If you can just establish that baseline number and then help people to reach that number, even if the UBI isn't 100% of that number, which, I mean, it should be at least double, but even if the UBI is half of that number or a third of that number, giving people a little bit of extra help to get to that base level of, 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 of being able to pay all your bills and being yep. able to live in a house and be comfortable and warm and fed, if you can just get to that point, morale increases, public health increases, uh, work ethic increases, people will do more because they can do more. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's disgusting to think there are people out there thinking, what should I have for dinner? Oh, I should have a nap because I can't afford to buy any food. Yeah. What should I have for dinner? I'll have roasted quail with Scandinavian duck yep. egg. Do you know what I mean? It's absurd to me. Utterly absurd to me. No, it really is. <sighs> um, you know, there's a there's a tweet that I saw recently that said, this is the last thing I'll say and then we can because we're, we're 19 minutes in. Uh, but um, it was, oh, you give a uh, f- uh, oh, I can't remember what it was. You give five hundred dollars to a rich person no you give five hundred dollars to a poor person and it'll be gone in a week you give it to a rich person (laughs) and it will increase in its value 50 percent and and it'll just become so much more than you originally had and then someone put at the bottom translation 
it will go in a week because poor people can't afford to invest five hundred dollars exactly. for three years. But if you are incredibly wealthy, you can afford to do that because you're already wanting for nothing. I mean, it's mm. such bollocks. Oh, it gets me so angry. Um, gets me angry too. Um, should we spin the wheel and talk about yeah. something else? Let's let's talk about something else that'll make us angry. Uh, Go on, spin the wheel then, Dan. I want to hear what the next bit of bullshit is. Okay, here we go. You ready? I was born ready. I was born ready, excited, and sexy. <laughs> I'm going to need to do that again because you talked all the way through it, Lewis. Um, <clears throat> Cop 26. <gasps> Policeman 26? What's he done oh, now? What's he up to? You said that before when we recorded this for the first day. Yeah, so... um. COP26, I believe, stands for Council of Parties, I think. Oh. It does It does stand for... I'm sure it stands for that. It does. It does. Oh, okay, cool. Conference for the Parties. <laughs> and um, essentially what it is, is the United Nations Climate Change Conference, where people talk about how to deal with climate change, a very real and present threat that will probably... Mm-hmm cause massive problems uh, for future generations yep. <laughs> uh, to come and uh, this year it's taking place in Glasgow which is where I live uh, yeah don't tell anyone that though um, so I just it's important very important and I wanted to sort of have a conversation about this and also the other climate related debate and arguments that have been going on in the past couple of weeks, I think you've, okay. you've got insulate Britain and things like that sort of stopping traffic, and that's yeah, caused. Like, I've only been vaguely aware of that, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think I saw something on Jeremy Vine where this guy uh, who was who was talking about oh, what's his name? It wasn't a bit like he was he was very against uh, insulate Britain. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um, Jeremy Vine. What's his name? Jeremy Vine? Uh, no, no, no. The guy's name. Uh, oh, God's sake. Mike Parry is his name. Oh, okay. Um, Mike. Give me two seconds to sort my light. You carry on. I'll be back in one second. Yeah, no bother. Uh, Mike okay. Parry. And, uh, yeah, so he was on Jeremy Vine, and they were talking about uh, Insulate Britain and people stopping traffic in the middle of the streets and how... What are the moralities of that and things like that? And... Uh, he said, um, the problem is with this country is that we're too tolerant and we are too lenient towards minorities and minorities need to be squashed. I so heard he, squashed. This oh, sounds like a very violent way to deal with something. Well, yeah, so he said um, the reason that, that people are allowed to go out in front of vehicles and stuff like mm. that is because we're too tolerant to minorities and minorities need to be squashed. Jesus. Which is like, um, hmm, sounds very yikesy, if you ask me. It's extremely yikesy, yes. Um, hell. Yeah, so it's it's very it's very emotional on, on, on both sides of the argument. But, mm. Lewis, what do you think? Do you think that um, stopping a car is a good way to sort of make your, your point? It's a very good way to get heard. That's, that's very much the truth. Halting international trade, halting trucks, halting cars. It's a fantastic way to get heard and get your message across. It's not I, great for the optic of it, because, no. because what you'll end up doing is making people hate you, and then if they hate you, they'll hate your cause. So yeah. it, 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 it's a balance, really, between, well, do you want to hate... Do you want people to dislike your cause? Do you want people to dislike that? Or do you want to get people's attention? So I suppose... I don't know, I'm sort of on the fence about it. What do you think? I mean, I think the problem is is that causes don't seem that worthwhile while they're happening, if you get me. Like, it's okay. only with hindsight that we realise that stuff like the civil rights movement is incredibly important. But I bet at yeah. the time there were people that, oh, come on, it's not that bad, like, just come on, and just sit yeah. out on, on the, the fence. So it's like... It's hard to know which causes to take seriously and which ones are mm. just going like, to die out. But I have a feeling that years down the line, we're probably going to be thinking, yeah, we should have stopped every single person that was like, driving eventually. But mm. 
at the same time, it's not as clear cut as as stuff like racial injustice and things like that. It's mm. like people trying to go to work to their jobs in order to pay bills for their families so that they can eat. You know, it's there's a lot of overlap with with um decisions. Um, mm. but I get that it's to try and make the government sort of listen and pay more attention to it, which I think is also really important. So again. I'm going to have to be a boring old fucking centrist and not really give mm. a real answer about what I think people should do about it. Um, Darius uh, said, well, stopping traffic isn't the best way to prove your point. Yeah, there was there was something about the guy who, who leads Insulate Britain doesn't even have his home insulated or something like that. Um, and people were yeah. like, wow, why can't you... You're gonna tell other people to do it, and you don't do it yourself. And he was like, "Yeah, it was it was really weird." Mm, I suppose on the same level, that's kind of not the point. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, what I do, me, just me, Lewis Brindley, what I do to combat climate change or not, will have no effect, no measurable effect on the global emissions of any kind, really. Yeah. But. What does have an effect is big companies like Amazon. If Amazon released some kind of company-wide um, initiative or whatever to will only use electric cars and electric planes and electric all the rest of it, and it will get all of our energy from nuclear reactors and it will be very clean and green, then in that case, that's kind of what you need because Amazon uses so much more power than I do and I ever will in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's where the majority of the pollution is coming from. Forget. Um, what what I put what bin I put my rubbish in? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I yeah no definitely. Um, I mainly use public transport, which legally has to be very clean these days. I think most buses mm. I use have a hybrid system. Yeah, I think most buses around here have a hybrid system. Actually, when you see them go past, they have like a little green banner thing on the side. Yeah. Which I suppose is good. Plus, even if they didn't have that, it's one engine to ferry. 30 people rather than yeah. 30 engines ferrying 30 people if they were all driving a car and a, a big sort of slogan that's been said has like been oh change starts at home which i have to say i don't like i think that's more of a cop out than anything else yes it's like because well changing my stuff isn't going to make amazon behave more so yeah. eco-friendly mm. and <laughs> With regards to like, stopping people in traffic, I'm maybe more sort of coming round to it because we all have to do things now mm. because if we accept that it's a very big threat and it will cost us land, resources, lives, mm. then we have to accept that Well, we need to actually do things to change that rather than say... Yeah, it's a really big problem, and then do absolutely nothing to change yeah. mm. your behaviour. So maybe it's it's you know, it's maybe a bit oversighted to sort of stop people going to work so that they can pay their bills. But it's like, well, if we're not going to do that, then what are we going to do? Yeah, to to get a point across to the the governments of the countries that we live in to say take this fucking seriously. Yeah, no, um, you're right because it's not. As much as it's not about like um, what we do at home, it's about uh, the military having a dozen helicarriers out there, uh, aircraft carriers out there ferrying planes about. and It's about Jeff Bezos going to space and dumping more carbon into the atmosphere in three minutes than I will in ten years. That's what it's about, really, these big, enormous sort of bits of change. However, it's... (sighs) We just yeah. need to change. That's the problem, is we just need to change and nobody can agree on how to do the change. But can we just do something? Please, yeah. <laughs> just do something. Anything would be better than nothing, surely. The approved 2019 Department of Defence discretionary budget is six, uh, hundred 186.1 billion. Jesus. Imagine so if just... we spent 1% of that, six <laughs> billion pounds, on... <coughs> fighting climate change how much how much how much can we do with six billion pounds yeah that's absolutely oh god this this idea of military budgets and stuff it's just it utterly disgusts me yeah the idea that we would rather be spending money on 
in theory, sending people out to wars and getting them blown up and killed and doing horrific things to innocents and civilians, that we would rather be doing that than actually safeguarding the future. Because it's all well and good to say, oh, well, if, if we didn't get involved in such and such, then we'd be speaking whatever different language now. Well, yeah, we would be, mm-hmm. but... It, uh, it, um... It's all well and good to say we're protecting the future by sending soldiers out to war and protecting us from a theoretical version of something that might happen. But if sending those soldiers out to war means there'll be no future whatsoever because of the carbon impact and because of any sort of like a nuclear bomb being detonated, anything like that, I just can't conceive of how you can rationalise it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it just seems like... It just seems like when you tell someone to stop doing something, and it's like, well, I've started now, so I'll finish this lot, and then I'll, you know, mm. stop. And it just seems to be like an addiction, if you get me. Like, yeah. <clears throat> it's always the next thing. There's always going to be another war. There's always going to be another fight yeah. for resources. And you can make as many excuses as you want. A lot of the excuses are very valid because, you know, there are other countries that, you know, Every country wants to exert strategic will over other countries, you know. So it's it's about enough people in the countries around the world saying, yeah, can we just not fucking do this at the moment in order yeah. to deal with the... Pro- it's, do you know what it's like? It's like Game of Thrones. It's exactly like Game of Thrones. The White Walkers are coming and we're all too busy having wars about who gets to mm-hmm. sit on the fucking iron chair you know it's like because when you look at it that way it looks really silly and it's like yeah. fucking pull yourselves together you know they're they're gonna kill all of you but somehow in our own world it's like well you have to think about this and you have to think about that and it's like that's why like yeah. political <laughs> allegory works so well because if you're not if you don't have a sort of vested interest in a world you can look at it objectively and say, well, if you don't do that, you're all going to end up, you know, ruined. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm fighting about the the Targaryen throne that I lost. It's really important to me. It's like, well, yeah, okay, fine. It's important to you, but everyone's going to die if you don't mm-hmm. deal with this. So it's, if you look at it sort of that way, it makes it a bit easier to get your priorities in order, I think. But that's Certainly. just yeah. me. Um, but yeah. But anyway... <laughs> I think we've bullshitted to bullshit land. Uh, We certainly Um, have, this is true. The throne of bullshit. Um, But yeah. Game of shit? Game of shit. That's the game we all play when we come into this world. The game of shit. Um, Indeed it is. I thought Squid Game was bad. But uh, uh, (laughs) let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about half an hour into the episode. (laughs) Um... No time to die. Yes. Yeah, there's no time. Um, there's no bloody time because of climate change. Yeah. Too busy well, fighting climate change to die. Listen, climate change will make fucking time for us. Um, mm. Yeah, this film was written by Carrie Fukunaga and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and there are other people as well, um, mm. but those are the two names that I saw first. And... Uh, it was directed by Carrie Fukunaga and is starring Daniel Craig, Rami Malek, Leah Sadu, uh, Naomi Harris, uh, Ra- sorry, I nearly said Ralph Finnis there, but it's everyone knows it's Ray Fiennes, sorry, mm. and uh, Lashana Lynch. Indeed it is. Yes, those, those, those people are in this film. And um, Correct. Do you, do you have an opening statement, Lewis? Um, I do. I liked this film more than I expected to like this film. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I really enjoyed Skyfall when I, when that came out and I watched that. Um, and since then, I've always thought the Bond films have been a bit... Eh, yeah. They've been a bit meh, a bit gritty, a bit dark. and just, I, I want it to be a bit more absurd. Um, but no, I think this film I really enjoyed. And the um, just the little sort of throwaway one-liners and stuff, like... Um, I had to show somebody your watch cue. It really blew his mind because it, it, it exploded <laughs> his eyeball. Little things like that. It's just yeah. it's quite charming in a funny way that modern gritty Bond seems to have forgotten, which is a bit of a shame. Um, yeah. But the, ca- the campiness. The things, 
yeah, the campiness. But then it's you have other films like Kingsman that really nail the campiness and yeah. utterly smash it. Um, so it is doable, and I think maybe Bond has started to realise that now. Um, <clears throat> go on, do you have an opening statement? Uh, yes, I, I do. Um, a bittersweet send-off to Daniel Craig as James Bond. Some historic changes to the formula, but not the best film ever. Entertaining, logical changes that had uh, what and has to react to previous events, unlike other Bond films. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, it's more like Roger Moore Bond. Maybe. I'm afraid I have not seen any <laughs> James Bond film that didn't come out in my life. Yeah. Which is an interesting fact about me. Put that on the front cover of my autobiography and no, no one will buy it. Darius is right. It's more sort of um, uh, episodic, if you get me. Like events follow on mm. from each other and you have to actually react Whereas a lot mm. of the Bond films, it was like reset. It was almost like a comedy show where the yeah. status quo is maintained at the very beginning of the next film. Um, yeah. But I prefer it like this, if I'm honest. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose I do and I don't. I um, It's one thing that does get me about um, how they keep bringing up sort of new... bringing up old people that, uh, that James Bond once knew in a previous life. It's all... I don't fucking remember him. When he went to visit that grave right at the start yeah, of the film, I don't know in, who that, that random person was. That was in, who who uh, was that? Do you know? It was in Quantum of Solace. Um, mm-hmm. uh, his his love interest that died in that film. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, it, I mean, that was what I presumed. I presumed it was a love interest that had died in a previous film. Um, yeah. So I suppose maybe, maybe they didn't need to go into more detail than what they did, but it does frustrate me that I have to rely on knowledge of films that I barely remember to sort of get the whole story, which is slightly annoying, but I kind of get it. Um, oh, it was Casino Royale, apparently, Danny. Oh! What are you doing with yourself, Dan? Oh, so God's it was. Sake. Sorry. For God's sorry. sake, Danny. I'm sorry. God. Um, Jesus. Uh, one thing I will say, good about this film, is I liked how it had this core theme of, um, well, our elected officials have cooked it, so should we just take matters into our own hands? Yeah. I, I quite liked that, which I know is, of course I like it. It's it's very me. But um, I, I enjoyed the fact that, um, it was. are you still in Her Majesty's service? No, I'm retired. Mm-hmm. Well, are you still faithful to Her Majesty? And the idea of... Um, being well our elected officials haven't done it so do you want to just do good for the sake of doing good yeah. that's something that i quite liked um maybe her majesty isn't the best no. example of doing good but serving you know. an, serving an absolute monarchy maybe isn't the best way so um, yeah. um <laughs> but, you know i liked that that as a theme was quite good yeah i love that 007 and bond aren't necessarily the same thing Yes, I like that as well. Like Double O Seven is a title, much like uh, Her Majesty. You know, uh, mm. the Queen is a role, and Elizabeth uh, Windsor is a person. If you get me, yeah. So I like that it's not really about Double O Seven as a job. It's about James Bond as a character. Yeah, yeah. Which it fits in very thematically well because. Up until this point, you know, especially in this area of, of the sort of James Bond franchise, mm. James Bond has become a very sort of human character, which is very yeah, yeah. uncharacteristic of of other James Bond films. Mm. Um, you know, he he has a love interest that he actually has to care about and a sort of surrogate daughter that, that becomes very important to him mm. uh, by the end of the film. I like the fake out, by the way. I like how you see the blue eyes. And it's like, yeah, she's not yours. Um, I, I liked. I like how they didn't do it too obviously. Um, Isn't it at the end of the film? She was like, yeah, actually, the the daughter is yours. Or did the, I misread that bit at the end of the film? Daniel Craig and Lacey were on the phone. Oh, and she really does have your eyes. I knew. I knew all along. I knew. I knew that she had my eyes. Sort of thing. Oh. Uh, uh, that was what oh, I, I took didn't, that to I might be completely wrong. But I didn't that's read what it I like that. that to mean. Okay. Oh, I could have been completely wrong. Never mind. They did predictable <laughs> shit. Fuck this film. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. But yeah. No. I like that they they make James Bond a human being with actual mm, mm. wants rather than just yes, I'm Bond, James Bond, and I'll 
treat women very objectionably um, until yeah. I'm replaced by another actor. You know, it's it's very <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. Um, but mm. they also did a very historic thing as well. Mm. They killed James Bond on screen, <gasps> which has <gasps> never ever happened in the history of Bond cinema. Correct. And I, I don't mean, like, um, Sean Connery died, but he came back. What I mean is definitively killed. Like, mm. unless Daniel Craig comes back, and then I'll be like, fuck's sake. <laughs> he said... No, I look like an idiot on that podcast, for God's sake. See, if he comes back, I will genuinely hate him for the rest of my life. James Bond's nanobots affect the daughter. What do you mean? What? James Bond's James Bond's nanobots affect the daughter. Well, oh, it was the per, it was the, the, oh, the yeah. disease was engineered for Leah Sadu. That's so right. Her daughter would have been uh, killed by it as well. Cause it yes, was a relative. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it is his daughter. Okay. Fine. Um, <laughs> that sounds so aggressive. Fine. Fine. Darius. Um. Yeah. Billy, you were paying attention when you watched the film, for God's sake. Clearly, you weren't falling asleep at the end of the film before the credits <laughs> rolled. Um, yeah, so that that's the, that's the main sort of stuff. I like the, the sort of um, formulaic the changes. Mosquito bites. Darius is right. Is that sort of... <clears throat> they sort of went in to harvest the little girl's blood with little nanobots or something. Yeah, that's a very because I thought that was weird when she brought that up. I thought, are they just having a moment where it's oh, she's a child in a car and she's being yep. cute and whatever? Uh, but yeah, it makes a bit more sense now. That's a good point, Darius. Good, good point. That is a good point, Darius. Do you want to take over here? Because I think I'm a bit <laughs> out of my depth with this one. Um, but. Yeah, I saw a lot of people say that they didn't like this film at all because be- really, precisely because it made James Bond a human being, and no. they prefer the sort of, <laughs> you know, uh, caricature of strong, silent type person mm. who has no wants or drives other than to kill bad guys and drink and have sex. Yeah, which is uh, which I didn't like <laughs> because that was. Um... This, this, I felt that this gritty Bond reboot that they've been trying to do with Daniel Craig, it didn't work because it was too gritty. It was, oh, James Bond wants to just have sex and drink. That's all he wants to do. Yeah. Um, but I think that humanizing him a bit and giving him a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a conscience sort of, it sort of works. And then it, there are moments that are a bit tongue in cheek. Moments when, yeah. um, when, when, like when Rami Malek disappears through the floor. With, with that little girl, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is, but it, and it's a, and it's sort of a bleak comedy, and it's sort of a bleak joke that um, it still works. It still works, yeah. And you can imagine James Bond sort of laughing at it in a different circumstance. He has this dark humour of looking at these things around him, um, and that's kind of charming. That's something about James Bond's personality that you haven't really seen before, but you do see now. Is like, yes, he does have this this darker side, where he just wants to kill bad guys and drink whiskey. Yeah, but. Also, he has this dark sense of humour when he's on a mission and he's... Oh, for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? I, I, <laughs> yeah. no, I quite liked it. No, I, I, de- I definitely did. Um, Darius has just said, should future Bonds have their own timeline like Daniel Craig's one? I would say so. Um, it's very much... Bond is essentially a superhero at this point, so why not have yeah. his own sort of... Because <laughs> we love to franchise now, since we Marvel do. did it, you know? Mm. Um yeah, but I want to sort of get into the sh- stuff I hated about this film. Oh, God. Okay. I can't think of anything I hated, so I'll be interested to see what you come up with. Rami Malek's villain. Um, okay. I think, I think he was sort of a, just a cookie-cutter villain. I didn't think much mm-hmm. of him either way, really. Is that that's, why you hated him? Or? That's why I hated him. So uninspired. Mm. Um, I liked the opening, the sort of horror opening. That was a nice change. Normally, it's like... Mm. And a big action piece. We got the action piece after the, the you know... Um, wait, I can't remember. Was the Billie Eilish song before... Oh, God. The action bit? <laughs> or no after? idea. I um to be te- to be terribly truthful, I watched like a really bad knockoff version of this film, so I feel like I've watched the entire thing out of order. I have no idea when the Billie Eilish song was. I can't remember um, either. I was in the cinema; it was dark, and like, I was looking at, <laughs> I was, was looking, dark. I was, I was looking at my phone. Uh, no, so I'm sorry. 
Um, but yeah, no, I liked I liked that. That was a good sort of change. But we've done the, we've done the big fucking end of the world, scarred face, boring fucking villain before. You know, but most Bond villains are just so boring. Now that I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. even Javier Bardem, his his well, his his reason for wanting to do what he did was okay. Mm. I mean, it was no. I'll, I'll leave Javier Bardem because I really like his villain. Actually, his yeah, perfor- me too. That's what his, I was just about to say. Yeah, his I performance. I really enjoyed Skyfall. That's my favorite Bond film. Yeah, his performance was excellent as well. Um, mm. Christoph Waltz's was so fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> suddenly we realised that James was taken in by Christoph's uh, dad. And because he did that, his dad had to die. And um. Christoph Waltz then became the head of Spectre. And... He decided no to ruin James Bond's life because <laughs> he just had to. I, it's like it made no sense whatsoever. And Christoph Waltz said that his performance was quite lackluster, Inspector. So I was like, oh okay. I mean, that's that's that takes a lot to sort of yeah. admit that. I wonder what he'll do in this. And he did the exact same. It was <laughs> it was the same. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. The thing is, I really enjoyed Skyfall because it was interesting. There were interesting... No, weren't interesting stakes, let's be entirely honest. But it was interesting to see the sort of interpersonal relationship between Javier yeah. Bardem and Daniel Craig. That was an interesting thing to see. It was interesting to see Judy Dench and Javier Bardem. That was really interesting to see. I feel like now it's just Daniel Craig running around doing stuff. And yeah. that's what I got for the films between um, Skyfall and, and this one. But yeah. I do... I do enjoy. I didn't. I quite enjoyed this one because it humanized Bond a bit. So that was another interesting relationship to see between Bond and the new 007, whose name I've completely fucking forgotten. Nomi was that it? Nomi. That was was that the name she gave when she was in Jamaica and she was on a motorbike. Oh, Jesus oh, I can't. I, I can't um, even. I can't even remember. It um, was something like that. But um, <laughs> I the, the, her and and Bond and. Um, M and Darius or not? Yeah, I guarantee you Darius will put it in the chat in a minute Darius and it'll be something no. completely wrong. Darius or no? I'm just, we're just waiting for him to type. Come on, Darius. Don't Come let on. us down, bud. Come on, Darius. <laughs> Come on. Um, I found I'm, it ju- I'm recording a podcast, Cameron. It's Nomi. Do you th- it is Nomi. Um, Darius has brought something interesting up in the patron chat, if I can bloody find it. Uh, ben oh. Wishaw Q is gay. I wish they'd explored that more. It's just one line in the film. Ben Wishaw Q is gay. Yeah, he says, um, he's like uh, setting up the meal for a date and he says, he'll be here in a minute sort of thing. Um, I know what you mean about wanting to explore that a bit more, but I respectfully disagree. Yeah, so do I. Think I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's a sweet bit of world building to just have it be a thing that is in the world. It's not a big deal. It's just a part of yeah. his life. It doesn't matter that much. It's it's because that's how it should be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If the film was about uh, Q, then definitely, like, mm. obviously explore that and and who the love interest is and stuff. It's mm. like um, in Fallout New Vegas, which is a game I keep going back to. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's quite a few characters in that that are gay, but it's not like made their personality. If you get yeah. me. Yeah. It's just something. You know, it's who they're interested in. You know, hmm. um, but I, I, I think it's it, the more normal it gets, the better it's going to be. I would say the more normalized, uh, uh, same-sex relationships, more, mm. more, and for the more it. you can just tell a, a story with with gay yeah. characters in it, and it's not a big deal because at the end of the day, if you're just looking for characters to put into a story, you want the maximum amount of potential variables that you can. So yeah. it's handy <laughs> in a strange way it's kind of convenient to put gay characters into your stories and to put trans characters yeah. into your stories and it's good for representation it's good for people to watch films read books all the rest of it and say oh like me oh that's that's nice that's a that's yeah. just a pleasant thing to, to to try and cultivate in your in your audience so Very much so yeah i think it's good um I'm trying, struggling to think now of any other notes I I, from the film because we've had so many troubles with the with the recording and stuff. It's like thrown me off twice now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I've got some stuff about Safin 
Um, uh, yes. So at the beginning, he's shot in the in the the heart, but he yes. doesn't. But he doesn't die. Mm. Um, which and there's a theory about that that he's actually a doctor no, whose oh, okay. heart is on the other side of his chest. Um, don't know why he didn't like feel it in any way whatsoever. Like he was shot in the fucking chest. But um, I mean that's an interesting thing. Mm. Um, why didn't Safin age? Like yes, at all? That was another thing I did wonder. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, is he an just old man, right? Fucking immortal! Like, what the? Because <laughs> the um, little girl at the start was um, what eight, nine years old. Yeah, and um, I don't know how old Leah Sadu is, but it's twenty years difference more. Yeah, easily. so shouldn't Ram Malik appear to be twenty years older than he actually is in reality? Should yeah. that not be the? Am I overthinking this? Should that not be the case? No, not def- definitely. It's, it's, it should definitely be older. Um, what was what was his motivation? Oh, I actually don't know. He wanted to get rid of Spectre because Spectre killed his family, and then he succeeded in that. But then he wanted to destroy the entire world. Yeah, but it wasn't really c- very clear why. <laughs> I don't know. That's why I think he's he's shit. Yeah, he's um, not a great villain. No, also, um, garden full of poison. It's a bit. It's a good way yeah. to show somebody that you're insane, but it's also just not a very good thing to have around. Really, that's, that's, uh, the only uh, thing I grow in my garden are poisons. I'm sorry, what, Rami Malek? That doesn't seem like a like a conducive way to have a healthy, no. safe environment to live in. But I mean, I just to him, I suppose. I think that so much overlap between villains who are. Who have moral compasses and mm. are insane is like lit lit. Mm. I've said this before, but on Sherlock, when on the the behind the scenes stuff, and they're talking about Moriarty, and it's Mark Gatiss who's like, Moriarty is self consciously a villain. He knows what he's doing. He's a mm. nutcase. So, sorry, he's he knows he's what he's doing, wi- and he's a nutcase, and he's a nutcase. Wow, mm. what a what a talented guy. Um. <laughs> He simultaneously is completely competent and and self-aware of his villainousness, but he's also a nutcase. <laughs> Do you know what it's like? It's yeah, like well, yeah. I'd much rather have villains that are like have understandable motivations rather than just oh yeah, he's he's mad, he's insane. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think this film was much better female characters compared to previous Bond films. Well, yeah, because they've yeah. just get infinitely more agency, you know? Yeah, that not... was precisely what I was about to say, yeah. It's, um, yeah, strong female characters doesn't necessarily mean a physically strong female character. It means yeah. I, I don't want her to carry something heavy. I want a female character to carry the story. Um, it, so Leah Sadu has agency. Um, good Lord, I've completely forgotten the actress that plays Nomi's name. Um where has it gone? She's on the IMDb page somewhere, surely. Uh, Lashana? Yes, Lashana Lynch, Lynch. Also has a lot of agency in the story. Does things on purpose because she wants to do them. Yeah. That's just good compared to a lot of the other Bond films and a lot of other films in general. It's just good. Plus, yeah. it's very satisfying to hear this man spouting racist garbage at her. Then she just turns around and kicks him into a lake of acid. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's it's amazing. very, it's brilliant to watch happen. You're I love like, it. Yeah, get him. It's great. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's fantastic. Um, in terms of notes, though, okay, I'm I'm just uh, I'm gonna say the obvious stuff now. Um, what's your favorite Bond song out of all the Bonds? Oof, I suppose Skyfall. That's kind of that's a good one, isn't it? Uh, I I'm not intimately familiar with very many of them. I know I don't like Sam Smith's singing very much, so not that one. No, um, I am ambivalent towards Billie Eilish. I quite like Adele, so that one. Yeah, I don't really like Sam Smith. Mm-hmm. Not only as a singer, but as a person. I'm um, very unaware of what they've been doing with their time, to be honest with you. Yeah, they've um, it was it was at the height of the COVID pandemic, and they were like. Okay. It was it it was a bit it it wasn't just Sam Smith to be fair mm. it was like it was in the sort of wake of the Imagine video and like, all Which these I think incre- I vaguely am aware of yeah yeah all these incredibly <laughs> wealthy celebrities like, singing Imagine and stuff and it just fell on like, deaf ears because like mm. it yeah it's fine to just 
sing stuff like that, mm. and it's oh, everything will be fine. But it's but like, when you're in a position where you could help, yeah. and you're choosing not to. Yeah. It's, it's not great optics, is it really? Yeah, and I think I think Sam Smith said something about him being incredibly bored because there's nothing to do in their very expensive mansion while people oh. are actually having to get on with it. It's like, yeah, I just... That's I, I, almost offensively ignorant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. very much so. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan I, of that. I digress. Uh, I, I'm, I'm aware that for a while Sam Smith was the only celebrity that sort of... Because I, I make it a big deal in my life that I try to avoid celebrity news wherever possible. I think yeah. that it's unhealthy. I think that it's just not good for me not good for the celebrity in question not yeah. good for anybody um so i try to avoid it and for a while sam smith was the only person that managed to get through my bubble um i'm not sure quite how they managed that but they did so good for them um good for i'm them. aware that piers morgan doesn't like him very much um because he's a bigot and yeah. i'm aware of very little else about them to be entirely honest with you they're a singer that's about it that's they, about they all are they are a singer um so maybe it's unfair to judge them on that one thing but it just felt very sort of yeah mm. it's i know what if, you mean you're complaining about things that you just mm. don't need to be complaining about that right yeah, now it's all well and good to be um, complaining about that but you know international pandemic millions dead yeah get a bit of perspective sam christ very very much so yeah. um <laughs> it's, it's but a, it's a terrible way to say that but it's true yeah it is uh, you know if if we incur the the wrath of sam smith so be it um, <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to say if we incur the wrath of God, and I was like, well, is, that any, is that some kind of spiritual revelation? While well, I haven't been paying attention, but no, the wrath of Sam Smith. Yeah, Sam Smith and God, oh, tight, tight. They are tight. It's, um, um, what's that thing people do? Sam Smith and God, and they, they cross their fingers. That's what I just did. I just, oh, cro- I just crossed oh. it. There you go. Oh, pa. Um, but- <laughs> Hey, well, Rick, you wrap it up. Get over here. <laughs> oh, Wait, Darius is typing. Oh, no. <laughs> Daniel, you're wrong. Sam Smith is amazing, you fucker. Um, who's your favourite Bond, Lewis, out of all of them? Um, I have only ever seen the Daniel Craig Bond films, so Daniel Craig. Wow. Roger Moore, all the way. Here we go. Cool. Um, I, I, yeah, I've only ever seen the ones that have come out in my life, so I, I'm afraid yeah. I cannot comment. Um, my favourite James Bond probably is um, the Skies from Kingsman, or oh. <laughs> or um, maybe Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. I like those films very much. Um, really, I hate those films. You why? I like why? I like I like Kingsman. Yeah, Kingsman's it's funny. Great. But Ethan Hunt is a cunt. <laughs> no, no, I hate, I hate Mission Impossible. I Why? hate Jack. I hate Jack Reacher. I hate Jason Bourne because they're all the same film, right? And okay. Yeah. The, the, there was there was this question that was asked by uh, Tom Cruise on the red carpet. Mm. Could you ever? Would you ever like to do an Ethan Hunt death scene? And he looked as if he was going to punch the guy in the face. It's like. <laughs> The ca- yeah, it's fine. Is, uh, is it not possible that they fail one of the impossible missions? Mm, mm. Just what? It's not impossible, then, is it? If it's Mission Impossible, mm. no. I, come I, I on like now. The, I do like the Mission Impossible films. That but just because they're a bit ridiculous. I like how ridiculous they are. I like yeah. watching them and thinking, how fucking stupid is that? <laughs> like watching that scene where Tom Cruise is running up the side of the Burj Khalifa and going, well, that's just ridiculous. I like. I, I enjoy watching them yeah. for that reason. I, I'm under no illusions that they're absurd films, but I, they do have some of that Bond, sort of classic Bond campiness that I, I, I think comes through in this No Time to Die. They don't have a lot of it by any means. Do they have? No. They don't have a lot of it. But like Simon Pegg in them is very very good. Um, I don't know. I just I, I just enjoy the Bond the Bond movies, the Mission Impossible movies. I'm convinced that Tom Cruise must like. He must talk to his hairbrush or something like that, right? Because the right. the I don't I don't know what I I don't know the feeling I get from him. Mm. But it's 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 a mixture between unpredictability and <laughs> unrivaled aggression. That's the that's the vibe I get from Tom yeah, Cruise. I, I know right? what you mean. Yeah, definitely. L- 
let there was oh, there was that there's that famous interview on Oprah. I love Katie Holmes. I love Katie Holmes. Yeah, because I'm just thinking if let like, she must let spell get help in the peas. Someone's over for d- <laughs> for dinner. You know, it's like mm. it just it's so it all the time. If you yeah, get me, so very manic. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, did you? I know you. You probably haven't seen this, but there's a thing with Ben Stiller and Tom Cruise. <laughs> okay. Where Ben Stiller's like dressed up as him, and he's doing an impression of him, and he's like, yeah. I I, I think we you know we finish each, each other's sentences you know. And Tom Cruise is lit. Um, I don't think we've ever finished each other's sentences. And Ben says that at the same time. <laughs> and he does this laugh and he's like... <laughs> and both of them laugh <laughs> for the exact length of time at the exact level. It's so weird and so funny. Um, the, the only comparable thing that comes to mind is... Um... Will Ferrell and the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they look as though they could be twin brothers. It's genuinely <laughs> chilling. Um, but they've done like bits on sort it's of late night talk shows and stuff like that. Um, they look Genuinely, they look almost identical. Uh, yeah. But Will Ferrell is, is quite charming and funny. So, th- yeah. so th- when, they, when they are doing stuff together, it, he makes it quite charming and funny. So yeah. yeah, look up this hilarious Ben Stiller thing and then look up my mediocre thing. Please do. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um... I think I might be out of notes, Cocker. Yeah, I am. I am definitely out of notes. Uh, do you have a closing statement, bud? I do. Um, genuinely a bit of a sad ending. I don't care that much about James Bond, but I was actually a bit sad at this. Um, yeah. I enjoyed this film. It was it was good. I, and some level, I look forward to the next one. I want to see what they're going to do with the franchise now that they've killed off Bond. Are they just going to get a new guy in and say, oh, it, no, it was all right. Don't worry. He jumped out the way at the last second. I don't know. What are they going to do? I'm interested to find out. Um, as as am I. Yes, and um, and that's it, really. Yes. Um, mine is, guess he found time to die. <laughs> <laughs> what a bleak! What a bleak closing statement. I mean, he was, I know he Daniel Craig it. didn't actually die, but no, he he asked for it though, didn't he? He was like, oh. Well, he didn't actually ask for it, but the title implies that he's, like, looking for the opportunity. Oh, there's no time to die. I suppose so, yeah. I've got the PTA meeting, I've got work, I've got to stop this very underdeveloped villain. I'm not going to have time to die. I've got to punch Rami Malek in his stupid (laughs) face. I've just got to punch him. Rami Malek's yeah. very pretty. He doesn't have a stupid face, but um, yeah, he's very I just, just got this image of um, Daniel Craig just being like, "I, I need. I can't explain it. I've just got this this unexplainable urge to punch Rami Malek. I, I don't, I don't know where it's come from. I've just got Rami, to hit him. Rami, stay still because after this, I really need to die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah, but uh, okay, that's. That's the film. Should we do some shilling, Lewis? Yes, let's do a bit of shilling, shall we? Let's do some fucking shilling. Here let's we go. Let's do on. some shilling. I'm in love with Katie Holmes. Okay, uh, we all have link trees, and Lewis's link tree is linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine's is slash O'Hiram, and the podcast is slash Shouting Into The Void. There you will find our socials, our YouTube, our Instagram, our Facebook. Go give us a like. Go give us a subscribe, leave a wee comment if you're feeling cheeky, and yeah, check out our amazing content. Um, we also have a PayPal we'll make donate such good button. content, guys. Lewis, I was in a roll there, and you have ruined you have ruined my week. Um, we also have a PayPal donate button, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly appreciated. And uh, we also have Patreon, and we want to take the opportunity, as we do every single week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons uh chloe thank you darius thank you peter thank you aditya thank you natalie thank you and doogie thank you one and all you allow us to make this podcast and talk at great length about why the rami malek villain was undeveloped and also just sorry my google home just piped up in the other room but oh, either way you cheeky. are you do help us to make this podcast so thank you very much for for allowing us to make the podcast it really does mean the world so yeah. thank you very very much thank you so much 
Um, we also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble. We sell tote bags, we sell jumpers, we sell mugs, we sell stickers, we sell socks. So if your feet are feeling cold, <laughs> buy yourself a pair. Um, and last but certainly not least, we are partnered with an amazing company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue. And Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Indeed I am. Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife in which they crochet and they're very, very good at it. And if you would like to keep up to date with all the amazing things that they're doing in the world of crochet, you can go to at number 12 Crochet Avenue on Instagram. You can go and check out what they're doing, see all the exciting things, and you can bless your Instagram feed with some some beautiful content and take a look at the world of crochet. Um, So yeah, check it out. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yes. Um... I think that's everything now. Yeah, that was no time to die. We've done the shilling. We've done the bullshit. God, we've done it all. We've been, we've done so much stuff. Oh my god. Okay, who was that? Claudia Winkleman. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was a flawless impression of Claudia Winkleman. Yes, I could tell. I could tell. Well, we say we've done everything. We've got one more thing to do, Lewis. One more thing. What is it? And it's. To announce, I whisper because you're whispering. It's oh. to announce what we're fucking doing next week. Yeah, bunch of rat bags. Oh my god, that's deeply exciting. Spin the wheel. Okay, here we go. Squid game. Oh, it's a game with some squids in it. Um, I do not know. Um, anything about the show if there is not a squid playing chess I will be deeply disappointed yeah, or if there's gonna... no squids that actually appear in the show I'll be very disappointed you're unless it's some kind of a strange translation of a Korean term that has much more relevant things to say I have no idea but I, yeah. I hope that it's good <laughs> we all do Lewis we all do Um, that's us yeah that, that's bye. it bye no uh, we love you we miss you, and most of all, we hate you. No, uh, <laughs> Lewis, just let's say bye now, okay? Yes, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>